Hey, what's up, everybody? We're back. This is the Club Cool Podcast. We're at the same place we're always at, the intersection of style and pop culture. I'm your host, Barrett Dudley. I'm here joined by unofficial co-host, recurring guest star, back by popular demand, it's Philbo Baggins. That <laughs> hey. was the, that was the, your wow. requested nickname for this week. Really? Yeah, several people suggested that okay, one. Okay, good. Thank yeah, you. Have, like have that. you ever heard that one before? Um, sure. You, uh, I, I think I have. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty... Once once somebody sent that one in, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, I feel like that's crossed my mind before. I like that, though, that little segment of yeah, my yeah. name. But, hey, that's we're, we're doing it. If you've got other ones, you can shoot them our way. <laughs> Phil's here. Producer Mike is here. How's everybody's week going? It's a beautiful day outside. Doing well. Um, cedar is high. So Cedar's I'm, high. I'm, yeah. I'm you know, a... I, I think everybody may have been getting a little sick. Yeah. I got. A, I I woke up Friday, big head cold, mm-hmm. and it was unfortunate because I was about to drive to Houston and go run my first ever half marathon. Oh. But I toughed it out. I just loaded up on cold medicine and and all sorts of stuff. Do you even remember the race? I let the adrenaline carry me through. Yeah. I I do. I do remember the race. It went pretty well. Uh, A couple of people have asked me about that. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to to answer, but I ran it in about an hour and 53 minutes. Uh, But here's the thing. I had my Strava app going, and due to an unfortunate seating placement, (laughs) <laughs> I was in the very last corral. Yeah. I was in corral D. My mom had signed me up. And so like, I don't think she, she de- definitely did not enter my pace correctly. And so I'm in the way, way back, way back. And so for the first five miles, I'm just trying to get around people. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to set my pace, mm-hmm. but like every <laughs> 20 feet, I'm running into somebody that's walking or like, just barely jogging on and your left and there's narrow there's narrow streets i'm trying uh. to pass on the it so i ended up running according to the strava app i actually ran 13 and a half miles so nearly a half mile extra zigging just and from zagging. all my zigging wow. and zagging i've run several half marathons and the thing that i'll never understand is the people that run the first mile and then start walking and like <laughs> i know that there is a method for running half marathons where you run a mile and then you walk like a quarter and okay. then you run a mile and then you walk like a quarter but it's like can't you at least run two miles <laughs> like I, I you know that first mile is is elbow to elbow to begin with and then you finally like get past and you're like okay good and now people just stop and start walking in front of you and you're like i i this is brutal stop yeah, it yeah well congratulations we're, yeah, we're yeah, all it very was, happy it was good but, but you know because i was because of that that far back start and because i had been dealing with a little bit of a you know some ailments in the lead up i think i am gonna have to do another one now to 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 really truly set my time yeah and 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 then we'll then we'll see but it was fun it's great get a big you get a big boost right towards the end last mile and a half or so you just you know get that second win that adrenaline starts going people are handing out beers to you already so it was uh well we were all hoping that you would do a like a um instagram live of you the whole race. I, yeah, I thought just about it. Face. I thought about it. I just decided, you know, I, I didn't, I did not document it at all. I'm hoping to get, I'm hoping that like one of the photographers got a good picture. Yeah, of Yeah, we want to see I, that and fit. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll, I'll post up that, uh, okay. that, that fitty. But um, yeah, hey, guess what? We're doing something pretty cool on the, on the Instagram account right now. For the first time ever, I just, I, you know, we did the, I'm using the feature it's at Club Cool Pod. I'm doing the questions feature. You guys have sent in a ton of questions. Really, really good ones. I've been answering them for the last, you know, 23 hours now. Uh, I have not gotten to all of them, and I, I don't know how it works. Like, I don't know if once that 24 hours from the from the initial question bubble, like, once that expires, I don't know if I'm still able to answer them. But as long as I'm still able to answer, I'm going to keep going. And we're definitely going to do this again because... It, it's been great. I've uh, been able to. I've got a, a a few that were great for the the pod today that we're going to get mm-hmm. to in the back half. But I'm just answer. You know, I'm just answering stuff. You guys have questions about denim jackets and sneakers and all sorts of other stuff and wearing cowboy boots with sport coats and just a bunch of stuff out there. You know, we're covering it all. Great questions. Yeah. So check out the IG stories on our account. It's at Club Cool Pod. Um. Yeah, and you, you will do it again. If you didn't get to submit a question this time, submit one next time. 
All right, today on the docket, we're going to talk about Firefest. I, I hope you're not, I hope you guys, I hope the listeners are not tired of hearing about it yet. How could you be tired? I, you know, I, I don't know how you could be, but because we're a Wednesday podcast, I, we've missed the jump yeah, a little bit. That's true. You know, I know, yeah. I know that podcasts have already been talking about it, but there's so much to add. There's, I, surely we can add yeah. a unique take. Y'all have been waiting for our take yeah, on this. Yeah, that's, that's what I think. That's what I think. So that's what we're <laughs> going to jump into first. Then we will touch on some of the things that we've been spotting at Paris Fashion Week. And we'll segue that into a couple of those listener questions. So Lego. Let's, Lego, let's get started. Let's talk about this Firefest documentary. I think all three of us are right at the same place. We've only watched the one on Netflix. Right. Yeah. I, I'm going to watch the Hulu one. That's the one where Billy McFarlane actually gives an interview. Now, the, the what happened was Netflix wouldn't pay him. Oh, really? Hulu decided to pay him to get the interview. <laughs> and word on the street is... God, he's the worst. I, I don't think it's been confirmed or denied. Or, or it, Some people have tried to, to do one or the other there, but apparently they may have paid him like $250,000 <laughs> to get the interview. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah, yeah. But, but I'm going to watch that one too. I... The Netflix one was fascinating and incredible. I would watch five documentaries about this. Absolutely. Let me start just by saying when, what was great. One of the great things about watching the Firefest documentary is it brought back all of the memories from this all going down. Yeah. Like I remember all the tweets mm-hmm. and all of the articles and all of the like. I remember every bit of this because – when it started, as it built up, I mean, I was right there with everybody else saying, like, both, this looks awesome, and this looks too good to be true. I mm-hmm. don't know what's going on here. Like, it, it was fishy from the get-go because it was, you know, it was an influencer's wet dream, basically. Like, it was, if you concocted the perfect lure to dangle in front of the yuppie influencer Instagram crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was it. And and then and then it blew up and was just a col- the colossal failure that it was because of course it was. God, the the cheese sandwich, man, that was the nail in the coffin. And I love hearing and it, from the guy yes, that tweeted it. Yes. That was <laughs> as soon as they started talking about the cheese sandwich, I was like I remember that. That was the best thing is the <laughs> Those dudes just seemed so normal. Right? They were in like button down Vineyard Vine shirt. I know, but they. I, what were they I, doing there? They, they were. They were, remember when the, uh, this is going to sound mean, but remember the little clip where Billy's like, we're going after average Joe losers selling them this dream. That's true. That the, those were prime examples of the guys that like. Yes. Bought it, that bought the sell. Yeah, basically. one mm-hmm. of the lessons that I took away from watching again, I'm, uh, as you mentioned, I've only seen the Netflix one. Uh, is that you have to realize that there are a lot of people with money that aren't smart. And in <laughs> fact, there are people with money that are just dumbasses. <laughs> and and you have to keep that in. That's something that we can lose sense of mm-hmm. uh, along the way in, the, in this journey we call life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there are just bozos out there. There are suckers in every, uh, in every uh, tax bracket. Including yes. these guys that apparently have enough money to fly on a private jet to the Bahamas to a fire to a festival they know is going to be is, is at least sketchy. Yeah, mm, bozo fest. I think uh, real quick, Billy McFarlane looks like he was um, stung r- repeatedly, <laughs> like by a wasp on his face, and he's just like swollen and having a reaction. He that that's that is a great description, and I'll, I'll just let that kind of segue into my feelings about Billy McFarland. I would never be swindled by this man. No. I could never be swindled by this guy. Everybody kept talking about like what a great salesman he was. You know, he's the type of guy that could, what do they say, sell ketchup to a woman in white gloves or ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves? No, no, no. Okay. He is such a dead giveaway of like the dude Mm -hmm. that isn't what he seems. He's trying so, so, so hard. And here's how I know that. Because... He's got those squinty eyes and that fat face and and <laughs> dead he, giveaway. And he is but he he's compensating with that overly done fuckboy haircut, the high fade, mm-hmm. that super high fade, and then all of like 
all of the trendy clothing. He's wearing like that big black like shearling and leather coat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just like th- this is, you are you, you can't put lipstick on a pig, right? I, I'm just going to use all the idioms today on this podcast. I just you, I can just I see right through that guy and I realize that hindsight is 2020, but he is a dude that wants to be something that he's not. He wants to be like the cool guy hanging out with models. But he's really like he should be in pleated khakis and a button-down shirt two sizes. Yeah, he too should big. be in a jail cell. But <laughs> he, this is coming from a sales guy. Anybody that is rapidly talking like he does, like hyper hyper energy, and can't get out of his own way with with anything that he's doing. Yeah, I mean, this is just coming from this documentary. I don't know if he's like this twenty four hours, but it, it just comes off. You can read through the bullshit immediately. Anybody that's just nonstop pounding, pounding his bullshit. Right, right. Yeah, there, there's two things that stuck out to me about Billy. One, I, I watched a documentary with my girlfriend who was from New York, and she said, like, he reminds her of so many children of privilege, for lack of a better term, from, like, the Upper East Side yeah. that are, like, 30 pounds heavier than they were in high school <laughs> and that are, like, out there mingling and have expensive watches on but may or may not be totally full of shit. Yeah. And, like, he is just the perfect archetype of that guy. And uh, the other thing that I always think that you, my big takeaway is when people are talking about, you know, he's either a genius or he's totally full of shit, 99.99% of the time <laughs> that person is full of shit. And there's another life lesson for you. Yeah. Well, I don't understand how anybody could have – come to the conclusion that he was a genius like uh, that's what people kept saying in the documentary like either yeah, yeah you know part of me thinks he's full of shit but part of me thinks he might be a genius the smartest yeah. guy in the room whenever that when that <laughs> if someone's saying that about someone no. you know that person's full of shit i mean yeah he could raise money but all that takes is just a great line of bullshit and having a connection or having yeah. a network i'm just saying if this guy looked like ryan gosling maybe i'd let i could accidentally get swindled by him <laughs> but his right, look right, right. is just he just oozes this like this this air of fraudulence mm-hmm. basically i can just te- you can just your bullshit meter should be going off the second that you meet this guy we should have him on the show uh, i billy you're welcome to come on anytime but I, we can't pay you two hundred fifty thousand dollars <laughs> so can pay you nothing yeah uh i also wanted to say this okay they got this does they got the they bought the island or they did whatever shady business that they did originally to get the island and then they had this idea right for the mm-hmm. festival uh, their biggest problem was that they that they thought that they could do this in five months and as somebody that has spent time like developing things specifically clothing i know that one, one of the pitfalls that people fall into is thinking that they can churn out things in really small amounts of time mm-hmm. Because even something as simple as like developing a jacket, you pro- you really, really, truly, if you want exactly what you're going for, if you have a vision and you are seeking to perfect that vision, you need like two years to develop a piece of clothing. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's if you've already gotten the ball rolling. I, I mean, if you if you're starting from scratch, it may it might be three to find the right fabric and the right manufacturer and the right fit and go through so many sampling rounds and to wear test it and to like, I mean, you, there's just so many steps. And I can't believe that from the outset, the first thing that people were saying was was like, you don't have any infrastructure. How do you think you're going to pull off an entire music festival on a deserted island that doesn't even have plumbing? Oh, man. Like they need like... You know, I think at, the, at its core, I still think that the idea is interesting and cool and sounds awesome. But you need like five or six years to try to put something like this into place. For sure. So what if he would have actually like, what if they would have pulled it off? It was like the greatest music festival experience of all time. What would we be talking about? I mean, would we be talking about how can we get to the next one? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But th- that that leads me to like... Did he ever intend? I think he did have the intentions of pulling it off, don't you? <sighs> that's a good. That's a really good question. Surely he did. Yeah. Surely he thought that he could do it. 
but but then you like then you look at some of his other stuff before and after with the magnesis and the new york vip yeah, and like those were pretty clear i i mean the the nyc vip thing that was incredible uh, yeah that's he's like deal. straight up fraud yeah that is sh- like and I, I i think he he was more interested in people thinking that he pulled it off mm-hmm. than actually pulling it off right if that makes sense yeah like i think he wanted to have the greatest music festival but if his the people that he hung up hung out with in manhattan thought that he pulled it off even if he didn't that would have been good enough for him mm-hmm. uh, there's just he he had to have gone into it thinking that it was all going to be easy mm-hmm. i think he thought that all anything required was money. Yeah. Given the right amount yeah. of money, we can book the acts, we can put it together, we right. can get everything set up. And that's just that's that's just not how it goes with something that has so many moving pieces. Yeah, the the lack of uh of time basically. That they're 45 days out when they hired the the ponytailed uh festival consultant guy. Uh-huh. And like <laughs> we're in Austin. They have Austin City Limits Music Festival. They've done it for 15 years here. They shut down Zilker Park for like two months in preparation just to build the infrastructure for yeah. the event. And they know exactly how to do it in the same location every year. <laughs> the fact that 45 days out, they didn't, they were like starting. They weren't even building the infrastructure. They were like finding the people to figure out what to build was just so insane. So I've got a couple of questions for you guys. How, how much blame, how much, what do you guys think of the people around Billy? that kind of like that seemingly never took it all the way to be like this is insane i'm you have to shut it down i'm i'm leaving like i'm blowing this up but basically nobody ever actually blew the whistle yeah until like 24 hours before right ponytail guy well yeah and ponytail guy who is (laughs) is one of i don't know what's name (laughs) ponytail ponytail yoga guy uh He's sort of one of the heroes of the movie, sort of. He's one of the good guys. Mm-hmm. But he, they showed his emails, and he's like, I very strongly cons- I think you should very strongly consider canceling the event or postponing. He didn't say, hey, assholes, we're, we're committing a major fraud that people are going to go to prison for if you don't cancel this right now. And I am not – I sure as hell am not going to the Bahamas. Yeah. Like, that that whole thing to me, like, he – sound. you know, there might be a, been a paper trail there, but – he also got on a plane and went down right. to the Bahamas right. to be there. Right. He didn't say, like, I'm not showing up to this. I think that most of those guys and girls just, A, had never been in a situation like this, and so they thought that it could be a total shit show, and B, they didn't want to lose their job because they knew that he would fire anyone immediately that questioned him, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that they probably were just too timid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and- I'm not. I'm not throwing like full blame on these guys because it's easy for us to sit here and pick them apart and be like, you should have done more. And the consultant, like, they were hanging seventy percent of his fee right. over his head, so he was like trying to get the job done mm-hmm. and try to like make the best of it. But at the same time, like the minute that you saw, the minute that you moved it to Grand Exuma and saw where you were pitching like mm-hmm. the festival. And then when you had the when the bio tents went up, man, <laughs> man, that that should have been. It seems like that should have been like the, oh my god, yeah. What what have we done? There were two things that struck me. Uh, the other guy who I don't know his name, but uh, I, he was the gay guy for lack of oh, a better oh, term. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he where he rationalized it like everything that went wrong at Woodstock. And then, mm-hmm, you know, they mm-hmm, covered, right, you know, right, the, they yeah. made the movie, they filmed everything and they turned it into this cultural phenomenon. Yep. Why can't we do that here? And to me, that guy seemed to be following Billy like someone who was in a cult, like following yeah. not just like a slick, like money guy, like a cult leader. And so he must have some sort of power that was different than uh, I don't That was the only rational thing that this guy had seen the way this dude operated in New York for years and just look beyond all of it, knew yep. things were going to be a total shit show, and still said, eh, maybe we can pull it off. I think eh. he said that because he was probably getting paid. I mean, I, I can only assume that these guys had hefty, I mean, I, hefty fees. You, the, the other thing is you don't know who actually ended up getting paid. Yeah. I'd love to know how many of these people got a penny. Because obviously Ponytail Guy never got paid. 
Right. I mean, you'd think. I don't think anybody got paid. Yeah. I, I think when it all came down, I don't think maybe they had gotten paid something over the course of the, of, you know, of trying yeah. to put the put on the festival. Uh, obviously, we have to talk about uh, the the older gentleman. I, I was so positive when he was telling his story. Yeah. Yeah. That he was about to say, like, it, like it was on the tip of his tongue. He was like, and that's when I got in my car. Yeah. And I went to the airport and I flew home and right. I was like, this is insane. And when he's like, and when he's like, and that's when I got in my car and went down there to suck this dude off. I, I, like my jaw hit the floor. Know, that he was, was really sad. That it was, it was really, really, really sad that, that he was going to go. Also sad that all he the um, put that on the documentary. That's not something I'm going to admit to. No. I'm glad he did though, because that really like, yeah. That shows you. That shows you, Billy, for real. I think the level of of yes. uh, pull, for lack of a better term, that Billy had on this guy. Well, and just a lack and of on like, everybody. not His giving a shit about anybody really. That yeah, he, that he would yeah. ask that of anybody. I got to know what too. that guy's fee was. It's got to be big. <laughs> you know, God. maybe Billy paid that guy up front. Um, let's talk about after the documentary. But any any. Big takeaways. Uh, I'll go ahead and start here. One of my one of the craziest things to me in the aftermath of it all was that M. David. Also, what a name there, M. M. David. David, Yeah, (laughs) that's not a name that I'll I'll forget anytime soon. He is still working with Ja Rule. That guy, M. David. Which one was M. David? M. David had like the you know the the long hair on top, super shaved sides. Oh really? He was part of the the app. The app. Yeah. Now apparently, and he David. is still working with Ja Rule. Apparently, like according a- to the Hulu doc, they make that guy look like a real asshole the entire time. Uh-huh. Like he get he got a very light treatment in the in the in the Netflix documentary, but apparently in the Hulu, he is like seen as second in command and and is very much as is. Uh, there's a lot of blame that falls on him. In the other documentary, which yeah, none ta- of us have seen, but that's that's what I've got. He talked about his Amex lawsuit at the end of this one, made you feel bad for. Yes, mm-hmm. but but the, the that does not surprise me because I, I that that shocked me when it came up on the screen that he was still working with Ja Rule because Ja Rule came off to me in this documentary as an absolute nightmare for to sure. work with for sure. Like, wait, you mean? Uh- you mean the Monday after your company has uh, the biggest disaster in the history of social media and uh, you know, basically a humanitarian crisis? Uh, and and then he's just saying, we can't do anything about the past. we got to move on, motherfuckers. You, you think that's not a professional way to handle people? Anybody that needs to drop F-bombs that often, like interspersed, you know, multiple times a sentence is is not intelligent, is not an intelligent person. Uh, I mean, that's a dead giveaway when all you when you're just saying fuck like over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Uh, yeah, he claimed that they couldn't look past it and that, hey, in the long run, people would probably forget about it and they'd we'd, they'd be able to continue on anyways. He said that they didn't commit fraud. It was just false advertising. He was coercing the models around oh, that uh, was like, the most at, at the bonfire to basically like strip down yeah. and get naked and go skinny dipping with them quote unquote for the shot mm-hmm. to get the shot mm-hmm. the, to me I, if he, we could stop for a second and talk about that because as they talked about when you saw the call the guy who said i saw the call sheet and it had 10 of the biggest supermodels in the entire world on it okay these people when when you get to a level of 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 uh prestige in the modeling world you are handled with such care Okay, everything that you do, you're handled with the the top level producers and directors and and photographers and all that stuff. And those 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 people that are have least reached that level, they don't have to like, you know, they, they get have everything given to them. They don't have some drunk rapper saying like, "Hey, so this shot, uh, we're just gonna go run out into the water." Like, uh-uh, that's not the way this stuff right, works. Right, like, right. You've got to. That's just that is just the level of unprofessionalism that that sh- that was right there, and those girls are like, nah, I don't yeah. think so. Was that was to me like the single most cringeworthy thing in the whole movie? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, was him just thinking so, like, hey, I'm Jaw Rule, so you guys just come do this. Like, uh, uh-uh. uh, I'm a thousand times more more famous and popular than you are worldwide than than yep. you are Jaw Rule. Yeah. So I just can't imagine coming out of that entire situation and being like, yeah, I'll still work with this guy. Yeah. Again, the yeah, fees, again. the fees. 
They have to have huge fees. What do you all mean? Those, all those, are you talking about the models? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the oh, M. M. David. David. St- continuing to work with with Ja Rule after yeah. all this. Well, then we got to see that Hulu. Yeah, we you got to yeah. find a new. You got to find a new frontman for your uh, for your app. Any anybody but Ja Rule at this point. So it, w- when they were sitting around that fire, it, th- those were models that I like semi recognized, but they were not the same. They weren't the top top echelon. ten yeah. that had like been on the boat and been like out with the pigs and and all of that. Uh, and that is kind of that, that's one of my my last parting thoughts here is that I do want to say putting together that hype reel with the boats Man. and and the top ten models in the world all hanging out together, incredible, and Haley Baldwin and Emily Ratajkowski and Rose Bertram and Alessandro Ambrosio and like literally all the names that you can think of, all in the same place. Those videos are still maybe the best like hype reel, the mm-hmm. the best pieces of marketing footage. Ever created? Yeah. If nothing else, this this <laughs> served to as an ad for that marketing guy. And the other thing that I noticed is they were on the boat. Like, why aren't they tagging this fire fest? It worked out so much better that oh those models God. were just posting these photos, yeah. and the press is going, "Why are all of the top ten models in the world taking selfies?" Like, it got people talking about it more than like, "Oh, they're doing promotion for some stupid festival." Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was re- like that was another moment where you realized that that. Uh, these people had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. They should have just let it. It was growing organically, and they were trying yeah. to stop it. it was, That's called organic engagement. Folks. Yes, indeed. It was amazing, though. It, it, it truly was. And, like, and I the don't fact even... that they just kept that same sizzle reel from the beginning until the day of the festival, <laughs> they're still seeing out highlights. That's what people thought they were getting. That it's is amazing. What, yeah, and it, it truly was. They, I mean, that is the dream that they sold, and it, it, it was so well done that it, it was honestly one of the – well. There's no way that whatever you go experience lives up even to half of what you're witnessing here not. on this video. And that that's kind of was, you know, the, in a nutshell, like there was just no way you live up to that to that marketing. No, they set the bar way too high. They set the bar way too high. Well, um, the last thing I'll say is I, I really am so happy that this whole thing occurred and we get to enjoy it from our living room. Um, and didn't have to go experience all that, but and lose the money. But I mm. really hope, and I and I think that I'm definitely too late. But I hope that um, that Dweeb Billy doesn't end up making money off of these. Like now that it's back in the spotlight, like I can just see him like going to a warehouse and finding like old um, uh, what what is that? What is that credit card company? The Magnesis. Oh, the Magnesis. Magnesis credit cards that were never activated and like selling them on eBay. <laughs> I guarantee you people are selling those like old ones that are deactivated. <laughs> Just That's true. Like, Magnesis has never been hotter. No. <laughs> now, I, well, but I he's think... going to end up making something off of this popularity that is, you know, back for him. And I hate that. Well, I think that two things. One, we've got to watch the Hulu doc and talk about it next week. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. still too much to talk about. <laughs> got to milk the, milk the content here. I mean, and this two, is just. This this is germane to you, Barrett. Uh, a lot of people have been um, DMing me the article and the fact that uh, Billy is in the same prison as Mike the Situation Sorrentino, oh, okay. star of okay. Jersey Shore, okay. and saying, ha ha, that's so funny, it's like a reality show. No, it isn't, okay? <laughs> this Billy guy is a fucking sociopath monster who's destroyed several people's lives, Lots including lives. people who considered him a friend. Okay, the sitch was, uh, was addicted to drugs and uh, fucked with his taxes. Okay, it's yeah. a little different. So let's let's think about the criminals who are at stake here. Uh, Michael Cohen also actually at this jail, uh, the wow. president's fixer. Yeah, celebrity celebrity it, prison. It, it's in, indeed that does actually sound like a reality TV show. I'd like to but see yes. the three of them. But the situation around, but... Uh, only stole money from the government. Uh, Billy McFarland uh, crippled an entire community on a small Bahamian island. That's that right. And the situation was needed had a, had a major drug influx, problem at the time so. of his theft. So uh, yeah. yeah, Billy is a true fucking monster. Yes. And then then doubled down after he was on probation with another fraudulent program. This Wh- guy is, Why? is the next level. Why did he have the professional video crew filming him yeah. doing the most fraudulent thing that he had I ever know. done? While oh, on probation. Man. That the, is a, the, the true mystery. The The best part of the filmmaking is is where they talk to the attorney and they're like, from what I understand, Billy is uh, he's absolutely broke and he's living with his parents. 
And then the <laughs> and next then scene, they show penthouse. him go to the penthouse of that hotel, <laughs> and he's got a whole camera crew there. Ugh. What a what a what a monster! Yeah, man, we can't we can't let this guy win. Just uh, stay vigilant out there. Don't try to buy any tickets to the Met Gala, and <laughs> uh, and you know we'll 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 keep you up to date on what Billy's doing. Maybe we'll even watch the Hulu doc and uh, and come back and and talk about it again. Because man, this is just really taken over public discourse and is. It's the topic of the week. It really is. All right, let's take a break. Hey, today's podcast is brought to you by Lisa. That's right, Lisa Mattresses. You know what you should resolve to do in 2019? Resolve to rest. A quality night's sleep helps you recover from distractions faster. It prevents burnout. You make better decisions. It improves your memory. Overall, you make fewer mistakes and you feel better. This is not marketing. It's science. Okay, to design a better mattress... Lisa leveraged 30-plus years of experience and hundreds of hours of testing to develop the perfect mattress for all body shapes and sleeping styles. I just recently had a Twitter DM uh, to, to Ross and I about somebody that had just bought the Sapira by Lisa, and th- they were just thanking us, overwhelmed with gratitude that we had suggested this mattress he, this guy and his wife were loving this thing so much. Man, another happy customer. Another happy customer. That can be you too, Okay. You just have to go to lisa.com slash cool and use promo code cool at checkout. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash cool. The promo code is cool. You will get $160 off your Lisa mattress. You're going to feel good and you're going to feel good about supporting Lisa as well because they're making the world a better place. Okay. They, they partner with the Arbor Day Foundation. They plant one tree for every mattress they sell and they even donate one mattress for every 10 that they sell through their 110 program. That's more than 31,000 mattresses and counting. Lisa's an awesome company. They make a fantastic mattress. You will not be disappointed. Go to lisa.com slash cool and use promo code cool at checkout. Okay, Phil, let's jump into some fashion and style talk. Let's. We've had Paris Fashion Week going on right now. These designers are showing fall 2019 menswear mm-hmm. seen some good stuff out there a lot of great street style photos some good shows from from some of my favorite designers if you by the way if you want to go check out the street style photos that we're referencing there's so many of them i couldn't possibly post all of them to the club cool instagram but just go to vogue.com that's and then click around mm-hmm. go to their run go to the the fashion spot the runway spot You'll see Philo's best street style photos from the fall 2019 menswear shows. There's like 200 of them you can click through. I personally love looking at the street style photos from fashion weeks. Uh, You guys frequently ask about where I get my inspiration. This is one of the places. Now, always take it with a grain of salt because as street style photography has kind of, you know, really become a hot thing over the last five years, people are now out there wearing things in an effort to get photographed and put in these street style slides my favorite and it always has been is the guys and girls that act like they're on their phone (laughs) in hopes that somebody's gonna get yeah a picture of them so there's some really really like out there peacocking where people are Mm -hmm. you're just like okay all right guy Get, give me a break. They're this not is, even going to the show. They're just walking around. Yes, yes. and it's the just perimeter. And, and and you know they're 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 like taking the rapper thing almost almost a step further, mm-hmm. where they're just like putting on the most ridiculous assortment of items that they think are on trend and just pairing it all together and mashing it all up and saying, "Look how cool and eclectic yeah. I am." Basically, put it all on. Now, having said all that, there there are a lot of really cool looks here. Uh, these guys layer better than anybody. That's, you know, it's it's pretty incredible to see. Uh, but some notes from street style, the, the street style in general. I think we talked about this a week or two ago. But color is mm-hmm. infiltrating the fall winter palette at this point. Uh, you, traditionally, we they really kind of like imbue you with a sense of like the earth tones and dustier colors uh, sometimes we've seen like the brightest we've really gotten over the last, you know, I don't know, four or five years is like the jewel tones, kind of the more saturated like reds and teals. Mm-hmm. But on the runway and reflected in the street style photography, man, people are wearing lots of color. 
And this is January in Paris. It's winter. It is cold. And the, the designers are showing fall. But there's just color everywhere. We're seeing bright blue coats, a lot of yellow, a lot of orange, a lot of neon, pops color on beanies, uh, reflective lenses on sunglasses, just prints and camouflage and everything. So while you see, while you still see some of the more traditional understated kind of like wintry looks in grays and blacks and navies, color is out there, man. And you do not have to wait for, for spring and summer to basically to, to get your color on mm-hmm. at this point. I appreciate that. I'm always a sucker for anything <clears throat> that has some neon in it. Year yes. round. Yeah. Um, okay, another thing. Big silhouettes. Not going away. It's Very, big silhouette season, It's baby. big silhouette season. Very much still happening. And that's that's kind of how, how this stuff goes a lot of the time. Like, I would say that we're... We're still kind of in transition from that, like, from, like, the skinny being the trend yeah. into the bigger silhouettes and the baggier looks. And that you that usually takes three, four, five seasons of, like, of something kind of catching on. And then it's, then it's, then it's there. And that's when you start seeing it, like, trickle down more to the mainstream. And I th- I'd say we're towards the end of that transition. And it's about to just become like very normal to see looser silhouettes mm-hmm. and pants and larger silhouettes on coats and mm-hmm. sweaters and that type of thing. Um, Most of the shots that they released on the Louis Vuitton site from Virgil's first collection, mm-hmm. I mean, every one of the guys that are in pants, they're like to the floor. Right, right. Uh, it, but it's very much it, it's proportion play. And we'll talk about that with a listener question here in a minute. But, but, but it's pretty rare that you see like everything on a person, mm-hmm. especially off of the runway, especially like in an actual outfit, being huge, being yeah. baggy. Uh, the other thing is that slim is not gone by any means. It's 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 not that suddenly like skinny slim silhouettes are like completely out or done with. It's more that the range has just been opened up. And that's that's really a good thing mm-hmm. because for many years, it was just like you had like razor sharp, super skinny suits, skinny jeans, mm-hmm. tight jackets, you know? And it's like, and I know a lot of people didn't like that because it, it, it wasn't the most comfortable. No, really. it's restricting. It's, it's restricting. And now... It's we're just it. It's basically what we're seeing is that the other side of that is okay and fun to play with as well, and so that's that's one of the nice things about heading into 2019 and 2020 fashion is that you can kind of be all over the map with it. You can still you can still rock slim silhouettes, you can still rock skinny suits or skinny jeans, but you can have a crop, you can have a wide leg, you can have a a, a baggy coat, you can have a drop shoulder, you know. So the the versatility and the the larger amount of options is nice, and that's that's what I look forward to is is you know having more than just slim to choose from basically. Uh, my favorite show from Paris Fashion Week so far has been the AMI show. Mm-hmm. The brand is called AMI Paris, and the designer that that stands for the designer's name, uh, and that is. Excuse me here. Let me let me try to pronounce this. It's uh, Alexandre Mattiusi, AMI Paris. And his label is, like I put it, it's, it's, not, um, it's not high fashion. It's not Lanvin or, or Saint Laurent or Louis Vuitton. It's really more like, it's, it's more of a contemporary label like Acne Studios or Rag & Bone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what he's doing is really, really impressive because it, his stuff is super, super wearable, and yet it's diffusing like all of these things that I really like from more avant-garde labels. Like, I see a lot of acne in his collection, and I see a lot of like early Hedy Slimane, Saint Laurent, right? And then I even see like some influences from uh, Phoebe Philo's Celine, and it's. It's just 
it's cool because he puts it together in a way that looks so uh it's just warm it's comfortable Mm -hmm. he uses a lot of tan and a lot of like cream colors intersperses like pops color throughout that's the biggest jacket i've ever seen i mean look at that thing we're looking at a massive camel coat with huge peak lapels (laughs) (laughs) and and an entire like beige look comfy season uh but at the same time i mean it's like you look at most of of what he puts down the runway and i just appreciate that the individual pieces are like very much adoptable into your own wardrobe that's what i really look for in in any of these runway shows i love the entertainment factor of the stuff that's just conceptualized yep like tom brown is always one of my favorites because it's so far out there yes um but if you're really looking for inspiration and trying to see what is actually next that you can wrap your head around, right? AMI's perfect. Yeah. Um, and I really love um, the what I saw from Celine, which is um, Celine Dion's newest label. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't know she was getting into fashion. <laughs> <laughs> Not her label. <laughs> but... Uh, that that is fantastic. And so that, you so you like Teddy's uh, Slimane love it runway show. Love it, and, and same with, and like I've been a hater uh, recently on Amiri. Um, not that he really makes a big splash in Paris, but uh, the stuff that I saw on his show mm-hmm. was really cool because it's wearable and it's kind of, you know, it's got that John Varvatos look where it's kind of rock and roll, right? And yeah, he's and very edgy. rock, edgy, grunge. and he keeps keeps with the slim silhouette yes absolutely yeah um let's talk about the celine real quick there has been a larger discussion going on at large people are like traditional fashion heads are very very upset with eddie's appointment at celine phoebe philo who was previously at celine like basically owned the label and there's even an instagram account now called old celine which has hundreds of thousands of followers wow and she basically what she became really well known for was developing this like flowy oversized but super professional look that like women of a certain age or that wanted to be like fashionable but like very put together Mm -hmm. in a like minimal but and feminine way Mm -hmm. but that was still like pants and coats Mm -hmm. like she just owned that demographic and so she had such dedicated followers of celine and she left and now they appointed eddie slamane who turned around saint laurent and basically like He's no slouch. Yeah, he's no slouch. But he, Eddie Slimane does Eddie Slimane. Like, he has a look, and he does not veer away from it. Mm-hmm. It is skinny, and it's black, and it's a little bit rock and roll. And, and I fucking love it. And that's that. And, like, and like I, I liked the Celine menswear show, but it's but it's just the next iteration of what he was doing at St. Yeah, Laurent. exactly. And so I, I think that's really... I don't have a I don't have a problem with it one way or the other. I'm sure that when it comes out, there will be stuff that I really, really like and really, really want. It will probably be even more prohibitively expensive than Saint Laurent was, though. You think so? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's what I mean. Celine is like uh, one of the more expensive labels out there. Like it is super, super pricey. Like Hermes. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, I mean, Saint Laurent obviously was not cheap, but uh, it could be a notch more expensive than than sl yikes um the one time i ever walked into an airmail store in dallas i was in there for about five minutes when i realized that nothing had price tags on it (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i damn sure was not about to ask yeah it's like when you see something in gq and it's the price it's just says upon upon, uh, price upon request (laughs) i will not be requesting uh, aka you can't afford it yeah don't worry about it uh so so that's as a larger conversation that is interesting about Celine because it it is kind of unfortunate I think to have had something that seemed really special with Phoebe Philo 
And then to just appoint somebody that's basically going to tear all of that down mm-hmm. and do something completely different. Um, so, yeah. Uh, l- I liked your point about seeing wearable fashions on the runway. And cause, because I'm not, as much as I love this stuff, I, I, I don't consider myself necessarily a fashion critic. Right. And so it is harder to look at some of the conceptual runway shows and really like establish takeaways yeah from from what they're showing that's like um people looking at modern art and coming up with right yeah you know trying to decipher what the artist was going for uh there there are two that that i that i looked at and and thought were interesting though that do fall more in that like very eccentric just kind of avant-garde way Uh, and that was sakai and uh loewe Loewe, that's L-O-E-W-E, by the way. It's that it's that European pronunciation of the W as a V. So I would pronounce that as low. I, I said low for a while. <laughs> yeah, it is Loewe. Uh, yeah, Loewe is possibly trying to bring uh, leather chaps into play. Yikes. Which we've kind of seen with uh, Fear of God as well. I think, they might, I, think Fear, I think Jerry's going for that look as well. Mm. And then Sakai is a little bit more wearable. They, Sakai always does uh, tons of mixed materials. It's like it, it, that. I think that's like the, their uh, their signature is basically matching like techie nylons with mm-hmm. cottons and and flannels and wools, and they do some really cool stuff too. Uh, animal print, leopard print. That that stuff is not going away. Uh, and you, more and more, we are seeing the pullback from sneakers. And speaking of Saint Laurent, I'm seeing a lot of like the dress shoe creeper style. It's basically like a dress shoe with like a much chunkier sole mm-hmm. for men too. For men, yes. And then uh, bla- good news for the short guys. Yeah, yes, for sure. And then I then what I really like is an iteration of a Chelsea boot that's basically a hybrid with a combat boot. So it's like mm-hmm. Chelsea, no laces, but then with like sturdier leather instead of suede and like chunky soles predominantly in black cool and yes that's great news for uh for for the short guys out there yeah we can lift yeah get 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 a little get a couple extra inches there um did you look at through or watch uh, virgil's louis vuitton show here yeah i saw some pictures so what was interesting to me about his show is it was like very obviously a progression from start to finish Usually I feel like a designer tries to send cohesive mm-hmm. looks like from look one to look 50 or whatever it is. And like everything is of a piece. And there were probably some through lines between the 60 or so looks that that he sent down. But it was very clearly like it started in one place and ended in another. Because like the first five, six, seven looks are all tailoring, all focused on like suiting and, mm-hmm. and trousers and it's all gray. Like it almost looks like a Tom Brown show. And then it start like he was apparently like very inspired by Michael Jackson for yeah. the fall 2019 line. So you start seeing some of that. There's like some prints and Michael Jackson purples and you see some of that uh that military like buttoning across a few tops. And then in the like the in the uh in the back third of the show gets very global. So a lot of like a lot more color, a lot a lot of prints, a lot of intarsia knits on sweaters. Um, and you see a little bit more of like like some off white influence as well there, mm-hmm. but I just thought it was it was interesting to see a show that you know went through that specific progression and almost like you know put these looks here, these looks in the middle, and then these looks last like in a very specific way instead of showing one cohesive piece basically. When did the football helmets come out? So that was that was that was with off white. Oh, that was the off white. That was off white. That was odd. It was, yeah. Now I, I posted on the Club Cool Pod Instagram with the girl in the UT helmet. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, that model had graduated or went to U- the University of Texas. Oh, okay. So I'm thinking that maybe that's how they just how they went with the helmets. Uh huh. Is like if you had an affiliation to a city or a team or a school, that's the helmet that you got to wear. 
And uh, he, you know, in the early days of Off-White, he did a lot of stuff with Wisconsin yeah, yeah labeling because yeah. that's where he got an architecture degree from. I was that's, not aware of that. Yeah. So he's he he's played around with like some of that university college stuff. So before. that's what he has in common with Jared. That is what he has in common with Jared. Yes. That is the uh, the one thing. <laughs> Okay, let's uh, let's use that to segue into a couple of listener questions. Again, these were these were sent through the uh, the question button that we did on the Club Cool Pod Instagram. First one is as we're talking here about fashion and trends and stuff that we're seeing on the runway. This was the question was if 2018 brought us the hip bag, fanny pack accessory, the sling bag, you know, you know what we're talking about, the across the shoulder bags and the fanny packs mm-hmm. and all that. What accessory does 2019 have in store for us? So I did some thinking and the bag thing is definitely still being pushed. And we've talked before on the podcast about like technical looks and rigs that a lot of the designers are mm-hmm. are, are still going forward with. And I'm, I am seeing more and more of that. More and more labels are doing like the chest rig, which is basically like the fanny pack, but it instead of just slinging over your shoulder it like straps to your chest adhered to you like, like a, a harness right yeah it's like a bulletproof vest almost yes yeah but it's a it's has the functionality of like a pouch basically mm-hmm. louis vuitton that's yeah one of those um, signature pieces seeing like some then like lanyards like almost necklaces that have a little bag on the end too so i think this variation on pocketing basically uh, and like ways shit. to carry sh- shit yeah is definitely still kind of at that forefront now i don't think that either one of those things will catch on quite like the sling bag fanny pack did mm-hmm. so i'm actually going to shift my answer over to a different to a different arena i think that we're going to see a new stream of jewelry come into play and i know that some designers are going to push a more 90s look with like some silver like some chunkier, almost like punk rock mm-hmm. slash maybe you went to a rave wearing this type of thing. You know, I've seen some uh, some wallet chains a lot. start to appear. A lot. I okay. need to find mine. But, but the accessory that I think you will see more and more and more of and, to, and that will take over 2019 is a classic, simple, and small, thin gold chain. There it is, folks. There it is. There's my call. Wow. Now, here's wh- here's what I know this look from my dad wore a thin gold chain (laughs) from the time that i developed consciousness to probably (laughs) when i was like 13 or 14 years old so well through the 90s nice and then somewhere in the 2000s i think it i think it disappeared but this was like a popular gift i think from from women to men Uh uh-huh in the 70s and 80s and it's like it's 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 uh have you noticed how like the rappers, a lot of the chains are getting like shorter and shorter and shorter? Yeah, they're chokers. almost like choker style. Yeah. So this is like this is a shorter chain, mm-hmm. hangs you know a few inches below the Adam's apple. I would say it's not a choker, but it's 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 pretty short. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a couple of buttons undone, you can see this thing, and then it's just solid gold and it's very thin little links, and so it's kind of got it's kind of got that loose seventies eighties vibe. And uh, they are relatively accessible. You don't have to spend a lot to get one. Uh, they're easier to wear than some of this other stuff because they're not quite as loud. They are a little bit more subtle. And uh, a lot of women I've, I've seen kind of start doing this. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I feel like some of the trends for men like kind of trickle over from what the women are doing. Mm-hmm. Because they usually have more leeway and freedom with like accessorizing in general. Yeah. And men are obviously like clearly like wanting to do more of that. And so it's, I, I, you, you see that pull over. But like, you know, some lower key influencers like Emily Oberg, uh, Ty Haney from Outdoor Voices, um, you, you're just seeing like this, like this thin gold chain pop up more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think that uh, I think that's that's I think it. That's, that's I think the that's, next fanny pack. I think that's going to be a thing. Okay, so look out for that. Yeah, I had noticed some some of uh, you know um, 
girls wearing like the name right. necklace yep. in gold, but I thought that had faded out, but I guess it's back. We'll see. It's just, it's a, I, I could be wrong here. You're not, you're never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've said it before on the show. I wish that I could be um, a ring guy. Yes. Yeah. Because I've, you know, it, it looks really cool mm-hmm. when done correctly. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm just not, unfortunately. How about this gold chain thing? You going to jump on this with no, me? No, I'm not going to do that either. No, no. <laughs> um, no, but I am. Um, I like what you were mentioning about the combat Chelsea boots. I, I can get into that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be cool too. And Chunky, you know, and we'll get into this later, but um, being of my body type, yeah, anything that's of the 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 larger silhouette i have to be very careful with um regardless if i'm being on trend or not yeah let's talk about that so the second question uh i was asked to discuss styles of clothing that fit versus oversized clothing versus undersized clothing and i thought this one was another good one to kind of tie into to some of the things that we're seeing at fashion week because we I mentioned proportion play. I mentioned that like the larger, baggier fits are still trending and aren't really going away. And it's a little confusing to know what constitutes something that is oversized or undersized or just like fits you truly. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about this. The easiest one here is undersized because that's just something that doesn't fit, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like nobody has ever, you know, even when silhouettes slim real down and get skinny, uh, they they still are supposed to fit you. There's not you're not like you're not putting on a jacket like Tommy Boy and doing like fat guy in a little coat undersized. Right. I, what I will add to that is my boy Justin Thoreau can pull off very well the what I would consider to be an undersized cutoff tee or, or not even cutoff tee. Okay. A lot of his tees, you can see his belt. Right. Yes. And they are pretty damn tight on him. That um, is true. But he, he man, he, he pulls it off. He does pull it off. And I know for a fact that if I've tried to do something like that, my big ass head would <laughs> stick out. It makes your head look massive. <laughs> uh, and it, I just don't do it unless you're Justin Thoreau. Which, by the way, next time you're in town, Justin, for the, you know, for anything you're doing with Austin Pets Alive, feel free to swing by the studio. Has he done some stuff with APA? Actually, saw him in Whole Foods like two weeks ago. No way. Yeah. Wow. We've seen him twice in Whole Foods. You didn't invite him on the pod? No. <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> I mean, Ashley almost went home with him. I think. <laughs> uh, you know what he does though, and I know I know he does this because I because Jennifer Aniston has has said that she does this. They have their t-shirts tailored. Yes. Yeah. 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 I've read. I've read that he does that. Mm-hmm. And all of his jeans are custom made. Yeah. It's all. There's no way you get an that, illusion that perfect fitting of a t-shirt right. without just like having it mm-hmm. re-sewn to fit you exactly like you want it to fit. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Um, okay, the undersized. Here's how you know if something's too small. If you cannot freely move about, it's too small. Yeah. Like if you can't cross your arms, it's too small. If you see pulling on pants, look at the pockets. If you see pulling, if you see the pockets kind of like mm. doing this like pinch thing mm-hmm. or start or the wrinkling right across, like right above the crotch, right across, you know, uh, the the fly in the pockets, mm-hmm. that's too small. Uh, jackets, if it's pulling at the back and at the shoulder seams, it's too small. Uh, if you if a button down shirt is like like when you button it down, if it's like starting to pull yeah. apart. <laughs> yeah, that's too small. Uh, there are a couple of exceptions here that i just felt the need to like mention because i do advocate for some of these things feeling too small at first the first which i've talked about is jeans when you try on a pair of jeans they should be very very snug at at to begin with Mm -hmm. like if you put on a jeans if you put on a pair of jeans you button them up and like you you can fit your hand in the waist that size that pair of jeans is too big Mm -hmm. because these these things are going to stretch out and then you're going to be upset that you've got like you could that you have to wear a belt every single time or these things will fall off your ass uh and then the other thing is a leather jacket that's another thing that is just really going to like build and mold and stretch out with you as you wear it and so it's something that you do not want to like fit very comfortably when you uh, the first time you try it on it's supposed to be 
snug. And then as you wear it, it's going it, to, it, it will str- kind of stretch and form to your body. Especially for me um, in the sleeves for a leather jacket, if I want to be able to feel the sleeve as much as I can all the way down when mm-hmm. it's on me, because there's nothing I hate worse than like that tube look right. yep. that just like engulfs your hand almost. Yep. Um, so yeah. Okay. Snug. <clears throat> okay. Let's go one, one up now. Fitting true. With tops, you usually want to look at the shoulder seams. That's kind mm-hmm. of the that's kind of the giveaway. On most shirts and tees and and sport coats and all, all, all you know all of that, what you do not what you what you want is those shoulder seams to be sitting like directly on top of the edge of your shoulder. Okay. If 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 they are coming off of your shoulder a little bit, then you might they might be too big. And then if they're coming too close to your collarbone, like up towards your neck, then you probably, it's probably not fitting you. Like it's probably going to be way too small because mm-hmm. the shoulder, that's like the shoulders are the widest part of your upper body. And so that's kind of like, that's almost what like dictates something fitting you or mm-hmm. not fitting you. Um, I mentioned pants and jeans. Well, when you button a pair of pants, you shouldn't have to wear a belt usually. Right. Like that, that's the indicator of fit. Like if a, a little room in there is fine. And if you've got some stuff that you really like to fit, uh, that you like to fit of and it fits you everywhere else, but you have to worry about like, that's all okay. But just as a general rule, like a pant is, a pant is supposed to fit you at the waist, it's supposed to button and just stay there. Um, I actually had somebody reach out and, and that wanted to talk about the rise of pants very technical yeah and they were they were telling me that that the higher rise is is much more flattering to a lot of people and it's it's the it's an old school way of like fitting pants basically but an inch inch and a half really makes a huge difference and i'm gonna have to investigate this more but the low rise is like something that's obviously very modern but it's what kind of created vanity sizing in the first place because pants were no longer actually going around your waist they're really sitting at your hips mm-hmm. you know your your true waist is around your belly button it's like the narrowest part that's the true waist good god yeah can you imagine wearing your pants up at your belly no button? no but i mean even now like a like a, a p- pants and jeans that have a higher rise just something interesting to think about like yeah. if, if if you're ha- if you're struggling with with pants or jeans fitting you looking for something that has a slightly higher rise and it's like give offers you like a little bit more coverage in that area Mm -hmm. and you know could be something that you find works for you uh lastly let's get into this oversized fit because this is you know what i'm telling you is is out there and trending and and popular in the fashion world oversized does not just mean like buying a size up in something um because the way things are cut everything gets bigger as you go up in size so if i just buy a large and a standard fit Mm t-shirt that thing's going to hang down to my knees basically right yes and that's not the look that i want so it's the the, with this oversized thing these items are specifically cut to be oversized so in a t-shirt that's like a like an oversized fit you might get a boxier width but the length is cut short so it's like you get that you get that boxy cut, but the length is still in an appropriate place. Or I mentioned I'm mentioning the shoulder seams. Well, there's a something called a drop shoulder, where the shoulder is specifically meant to be past your shoulder, and then the sleeves are cut a little bit shorter so that they're not hanging down to your to your wrist. Yeah, they're right? going to make it oversized in yeah. the to fit the oversized portions of your body. Right. So the they, whole thing does not need to be a big, huge piece of fabric. Yes, exactly. Um, so, so typically, like, right. So it's not just about buying something that's bigger than it should be. It is about buying something that is intentionally oversized in your regular size. And, you know, ironically or, or not, I'm not sure. But a lot of the over, in a lot of the oversized stuff, you end up having to size down, in fact. For sure. To get the right look. <laughs> I have an extra small All Saints oversized t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. Right. That fits you oversized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so I, I understand that this stuff can be a little bit confusing. Um, the other thing, we mentioned that we're smaller guys. Oversized everything does not work for us. Mm-mm. And that's kind of a key to playing with this if you want to, is to not, you don't want baggy track pants with like a massive coat. You'll, you will look like a, like a street style disaster or, you know, like you just like walked in and out of Goodwill and just picked everything in double XL and just splashed it all on your, on your body or hot topic. Yeah. And that's why originally when you, uh, you know, even several years ago when you started seeing guys like Kanye start like doing the oversized top or hoodie thing, they always paired it with like very slim Mm -hmm. pants. And it's, it's that it, what that juxtaposition does is it is it creates intent more you know when you're wearing some an oversized top with a slimmer pant it's under it it creates the connotation that the shirt is supposed to be oversized mm-hmm. it's intentionally big so it just kind of depends on where you're where you're trying to land on that spectrum but you know if you want everything to look oversized then i suggest you be 6 feet tall because it does because it because it for if you're smaller like phil and i are it just it just swallows you yeah you're gonna have to have everything just custom made if you want it to be a full oversized look yeah and that's that's not the look no not really um yeah so those are my notes on oversized okay good yeah anyway uh that is going to do it for us today hope you enjoyed it hope you enjoyed this podcast yes that, that is it uh we will be back next week once again i encouraging you and sorry i encourage you to go check out the <laughs> club cool pod instagram where we did a little q a on the on the ig stories that i think you guys will really enjoy again that's at club cool pod on instagram you can follow me on my personal accounts at barrett dudley phil give him your handle uh my handle is p batag there you go P-B-A-T-T-A-G. You don't have to spell it. You don't have to spell it. Stop spelling it. No. He, he was spelling it wrong anyways. It's uh, at Philbo Baggins. And, uh, Incorrect. Okay. Yeah. Shoot us DMs on Instagram if you want, if you've got questions. Um, and we will see you next Wednesday. I love you.